Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 51 of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jake Murrin, and I'm the host of the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the past couple of episodes of the show with repeat guests as we hit the episode 50 milestone just last week. But now we actually start a new chapter here with Forge in Ohio with episode 51 and with a fighter joining me for the very first time. This 5-0 amateur mixed martial artist couldn't have more credentials. He's a champion in two weight classes for ECC cage fighting. He's ranked 8th among amateur fighters in the state of Ohio and he recently put his grappling and wrestling skills aside to win a kickboxing tournament it's quentin the guy richards thanks for coming on the show quentin and welcome to forge in ohio thanks for having me i'm really excited about this yeah same here man so let's start with that kickboxing tournament that you recently competed in at carnage fight series alongside your teammates was that the first time you've given kickboxing a try and what encouraged you to actually participate in that event uh, yeah, it was one of the first times doing kickboxing besides, you know, training in the training room, put it actual, put it to an actual uh, event. And I was like, you know, I've, I've grappled for most of my, I grappled a lot. So I'm like, let me put my strike into the test and see how that goes. The tournament style was, was different fighting twice in one night. That was fun. That was really fun. You felt it like the next few days, but it was fun. So when you have to fight twice in one night, is there, do you have to worry about adrenaline and not having too much of an adrenaline dump in the first fight? That way you can kind of conserve some of that for the second fight later on. Uh, yeah, kind of. You had to like conserve, but the first fight I was so tense. I just threw with all power and it looked sloppy, very sloppy. I'm like, damn, I don't like Sony race video of that. I don't want to see that, <laughs> but no, it, I had like, I always got like the first fight or first few rounds are always the worst for me like for especially it's just striking it's always bad I'm like damn all right so I gotta go do some stuff to warm up real quick and that was pretty much like the first fight was a warm-up fight how different too was it preparing to compete in kickboxing than being in camp for an MMA fight did you change things up in the gym not really no we just kept it same we just had boxing gloves on the whole time instead of you know the MMA sparring gloves when we did uh, some sparring practices or hit mitts or anything like that. And since you aren't too experienced in kickboxing, were you surprised by how much success you had in the tournament? I mean, you went on to win both those fights and win that Carnage Fight Series amateur title. Yeah, no, I was really surprised. I was like, damn, all right, that's, that's cool. That got some confidence going a little <laughs> bit. I've been training with, ever since I started training with uh, Demolition Fight Team, my striking and, and wrestling has gotten up uh, tremendously a lot. So I've been training at my gym, Black Market Jiu-Jitsu, and I started training at Demolition about a year and a half ago with Dylan, Todd, Box, and all them guys down there. Yeah, I was going to ask you about where you train. I know Black Market BJJ and Demolition Fight Team, those guys have had to have an influence on you so far. I know you come from that grappling background, but with your striking, it's evolved clearly with the kickboxing tournament win. Yeah, no, it, it evolved tremendously. My coach, he's done some kickboxing, so he's helped me with that, but I've been training a lot more. My coach is like, okay, we're going to do some striking to takedowns, and we're going to go for the submission. And then going down there, we're like, we're just going to work on straight striking for like a week. And I'm like, all right, cool. Sounds great. Yeah, and you mentioned Dylan Budka. How cool was it to see him compete recently on Dana White's Contender Series and earn that UFC contract? 
oh my god so i'm watching it i'm like yeah and i'm like oh god oh god <laughs> this fight I'm like like dylan was doing it the most he could to this dude and this guy was just pinning him and dylan's trying to stay active and i'm sitting over here like shit shit <laughs> I I had the same reaction watching it live as well. Did you think that he would get the contract afterward? Of course, Dana said it was like the worst fight in Contender Series history, but still it, ended up giving him the contract. I knew it was going to be like, it was a 50-50 chance. Yeah. I was like, man, Dylan was active, but damn that, like he said, one of the worst fights, but Dylan did the best he could to make it not that like bad. He was trying to do the best he could to make it I go for the finish and everything else. Yeah, for sure. I know he has roots in Baltimore, but what was that homecoming, if you will, when he first got back to Demolition Fight Team? Oh, that. so I go there. I went there Wednesday, like a week after, because he was still in uh, Vegas, and I came back, and he just biggest ran up and just gave him the biggest hug, and he was like, we did it. I'm like, yeah, we did, buddy. We fucking got it. <laughs> Yeah, and does that inspire guys like you, Marcelino, and Trey, who I both have had on the podcast before, to reach that level as amateur fighters, seeing him and what he's done on his journey? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, watching Dylan's, like, career is just like, man, I feel like I'm lazy as shit. Like, <laughs> so I've been trying to been more – I've been more active since I've been training at Demolition Fight Team because it's more – I'm more active, like, training. I've always been, but, like, MMA training and, like, I was doing a lot of jujitsu in the beginning. So I was trying to like find time between jujitsu tournaments I was doing and then fight, which was hard to do. That's why I had a eight month layoff between September and July of 2020, 2021 to 2022, like eight months between those. Cause I was doing jujitsu tournaments, healing up from random injuries and all that other stuff. Yeah, I want to kind of go back to the kickboxing tournament just a little bit. That kickboxing title that you won, it's pretty slick. It looks pretty nice, no? Oh, it's it's very it's very smooth. It has like a nice felt on the inside of it. The only downside is there's a nice little point at the top, and I went to go bend over, take the shin pads off, and it was stabbing me in my gut. And I'm like, I might have to do something with that. I might like shave it off or something, but I don't think I'll do it. I'll just keep it hung up, and that's going to be like around the shoulder one, not like waistband wearing yeah so you mentioned waistband wearing which leads me to my next question i have to ask you about this tattoo that you've been posting on social media since the <laughs> tournament win is that really your tattoo is that on your stomach that's on my stomach right now yes <laughs> so for, for people listening who might not know what we're talking about they can go to your social media and they can find it there but explain to the viewers explain to the listeners what this tattoo is what it looks like and why you actually got it so it is a raccoon holding two pistols freaking the hell out and it says don't put me in a situation and we so there are so me and my three other my buddies we decided to get matching tattoos and they're all different raccoons doing different things like my one buddy has a raccoon with a pasta strainer on his head holding a spatula and it, i can't remember what it says the other one has a raccoon with night vision goggles and a shotgun <laughs> And the other one is like a Vietnam era raccoon with a cigarette in his mouth. I love it. Man. I, we, yeah. Me and my buddies were like, screw it. Let's just go get them. And then we had one of my uh, training partners. He's a tattoo artist. So we hit him up on a Sunday after the fight and that kickboxing bout. And we just went there and got him done. 
That's great, man. No judgment for me at all. You described this kickboxing tournament as a side quest on social media, but could you see yourself competing in another one in the future? They asked me to come back because I was originally supposed to. F- so what happened was the dude who won the other part of the bracket broke his foot is what I was told. So he had to back out, but he won by a split decision. So they threw the uh, the loser in since it was a close fight. So they threw uh, Peyton Spurlock in and then me and him ended up getting a second round TKO. Talking to uh, Quentin, the guy Richards on Forge in Ohio. Let's get back into your backstory just a little bit here. I could guess how you got into the sport based on your fighting style, how, you, how you've won four of your five fights. But I'll ask instead, how'd you actually get your start in mixed martial arts? Uh, so like the, the beginning, like before like actual training training or like when I started training, before. Like what made me want before. Okay, before. so. Me and my buddies were, you know, Northwest Ohio. There ain't much to do. You got cornfields and you can go walk around Walmart at like 3 a.m. But but me and my buddies would all get together and pretty much have a fight club in my garage. We threw a futon down and we had like tournament style brackets. So like, hey, no punching in the face. All submissions are legal. And we're just going to go to someone quits. So we would punch people like we would do body shot punches, arm punches, everything. And I was just I was getting really good at beating my friends up and then had a high school buddy of mine who'd uh sent a picture on snapchat it was like yeah training i'm like are you wrestling because he wrestled in high school i'm like is that wrestling or jujitsu he's like dude it's jujitsu in defiance and i'm like all right give me the address and then i went up there met my coach at black market jujitsu and then started training brazilian jujitsu for two and a half years and then took my first fight in may may 2021 yeah may 14th 2021 is there any video of these fights that you held back in the day in those garages? No. So phones were like hidden away because we didn't want okay. our parents to get, like get pissed at us. So like, because we'd be like, what happened? Why bruise? Oh, we played football back. Don't worry. It's not like nothing serious. And then kid with a bloody nose goes home or like black eyes. Or like, what happened? Football. Oh, okay. That's fine. If they knew we were just slugging away at each other in a garage somewhere. They'd probably be like, eh, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> That's as bad as it got, just a black eye or bloody nose? I think that's about it. Like, he had some people with some sore joints, like shoulders and all that other stuff. I was I was leg locked before I even knew what leg locks were. So I was just like, oh, I saw this on a the old uh, ESPN MMA video game before, like, the UFC. It was, like, where you could, like, fight in pride and all that stuff. And where it would, like, you go for a submission, you could see the red outline and then the joint break. So I was like, oh, cool, straight ankle lock or, <laughs> hey, look, knee bar. And when you signed up for that first that first BJJ gym, were you immediately hooked and you knew that's kind of what you wanted to do? Yeah, so my first day was – I went to an open mat my first day on a Saturday. And then my training – went with everybody. Like had four – I think I did four to five rounds my first day because I was heavy. Like I came in around 200 pounds. I was like 205 when I first started doing this stuff, so – my coach is like, yeah, yeah. My coach is a small dude. He's like 145 at the time, like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, and he's just manhandling me, manhandling me. I'm like, cool, I did well against this guy. And then I got to the coach. And then my training partner now, Rex Hoffel, he triangle choked me in a span of 30 seconds three times. And this was like the sixth match I've had. I went downstairs through – because it was upstairs. You had to go downstairs to use the bathroom. I went downstairs, threw up everywhere. Ran back up, like cleaned myself up, went back upstairs and did two more rounds. Then 
the open mat was over. So, yeah, first day was rough, and I got hooked ever since. I was like, these people are kicking my ass. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, wow. So how were you not discouraged from, like, that day one experience of having to do that and actually feel the motivation of, hey, I want to keep on coming to this gym and go on day two? They were so genuine about doing it. They're like, yeah, just keep coming back. You're really good for what you've known so far. And like, you're not like, you kind of got like the basics, how to move your body, this and that. I'm like, so I actually come to a few classes and I started going to classes and he's like, you know what guard is already? Cause I was like doing it pretty well against one of the white belts there. He's like, I'm like, I just know it. Cause I watched a lot of like bully beatdown and stuff like this. And then UFC and like, I just watched a lot of this. So I just kind of like mirrored it. And I did a lot of me. I had three younger brothers that I practiced pro wrestling moves on and submissions and stuff. So kind of had a kind of had some training partners beforehand. Yeah. Watching wrestling and MMA growing up, was there a fighter or wrestler that you looked up to? Jason Mayhem Miller for the fighter was my favorite fighter growing up. And then wrestler, uh, favorite pro wrestler was Sting growing up. So good options, man. Do you still watch nowadays too? Oh, once in a while. I still watch fighting, but wrestling, I'll get clips here and there. If I see like an exciting one I want to watch, I'll watch the match and then do something else or highlights of it. Yeah, Sting is still doing his thing, man. Still doing his thing in AW right now. I know. He's like almost, what, 60, 50? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, still doing it. Kudos to him. Absolutely. So with all the BJJ tournaments that you've competed in since that day one of going into that gym, you've won a ton of them. Do they sort of blend together now? Because I know you've been involved in so, so many of them. I, I have a pretty fond memory of which ones are what. I might get a few things confused, but I did have my first BJJ tournament like three months into training. My coach is like, hey, I need a dude to step in against one of our guys who train at a different gym, like a sister gym. Like, I'm trying to get him to, like, train more with us, so I'm going to throw you in with him. He's been training for about two years, and I'm like, all right, cool. And then I took semifinals in that little – I won the super fight I had with that guy and then went on to another match and then was in the semifinals and lost in the semifinals by points. Is that, like, the craziest experience you've had in one of those tournaments, or have you had other ones where just shit hits the fan, for lack of better words, and you just have to adjust to what's going on? Oh, man. Yeah, I've done tournaments by myself where I've had no coaches with me because I'm like, ah, well, anyone wants to go with me? No? Cool. All right. I already signed up, so I'm leaving. So I drove all the way to Indianapolis, did a tournament like when COVID was like still a thing where you had to wear a mask and was inside. So you had to like sit there with your mask on. All right, cool. Run out to the thing, compete, throw your mask back on. But the craziest one I have to say was Detroit. Detroit was the me and a whole bunch, like five or six or teammates went up there competed and it was in one of those indoor soccer fields so it was like those inflatable things so whatever it was outside was maybe like 10 15 degrees warmer inside and it was february snow on the ground everywhere all my teammates are wearing our geese and hoodies and trying to warm up yeah that it was a good tournament for me i got first in gi second in no gi lost to points so to a really good wrestler so and he's an MMA fighter now, too. Anthony, I can't remember his last name. I don't want to pronounce it wrong. But, yeah, he's up from Michigan. He's really good. He's really good. Took him down. I was like, hey, got into a scramble, picked him up, took him down. He got pissed, jumped right back up, took me down for two points. Have you still been competing in these tournaments while you're kind of transitioned to MMA? Yeah, so my last uh, big BJJ tournament was at the Arnold's. 
and I got I double golded there, and I took fifth in the absolute. Wow! So, so how many medals do you actually have from competing in these tournaments? So, if I had a picture, it's a lot because I because <laughs> I also did tournaments that gave you trophies. So I have like four little trophies, and I have a five foot trophy chilling in my apartment right now from winning like the whole thing. Yeah, that's insane. So you mentioned competing in gi and no gi jujitsu. Do you prefer one over the other? Not really. No, like I do a lot of no gi stuff in the gi. It's like so I won't like I'll use the grips just to use the grips. But I like Nogi so much. I'm just like, oh, I can get away with not grabbing his stuff. But I think I have more finishes in the Gi than Nogi. Now, were you always interested in taking those skills and using them in an MMA career? Yeah. So when I first met my coach, I'm like, hey, I want to do MMA. He's like, all right, we'll, we'll evaluate where you're at in like six months and see. And I'm like, hey, can we start doing some striking? He's like, yeah, we'll do some striking. Did striking like maybe once, twice a week. And then he held off till I got my blue belt. Even when I, he's like, let's go until your blue belt. Got my blue belt seven months into training because I was winning a lot of tournaments and stuff. So he's like, I can't let you sandbag people doing the white belt tournaments anymore because you're beating everybody. So he handed me a, a blue belt. And I was like, yeah, when are we going to fight now? He's like, we'll wait off a little bit longer. So like I said, two and a half years of training, I actually finally got my first fight. Were the coaches surprised by just how fast you were developing your game in jiu-jitsu? Yeah, they're like, uh, like my one, my head black belt coach, uh, Noah Carbach, he was like, I'm pretty sure he was Brazilian in the past life or something, because he took on to this quick. (laughs) Now, I'm sure like the kickboxing tournament that we talked about helped, and we even talked about it when we talked about training at Demolition Fight Team, but how far has your striking game developed since you first started MMA? Oh, 100% way better. God, it was awful. I'd be throwing like random like those haymakers, like that right hook haymaker kind of style or like my jab would just be eh, and then go back down to my hip locomotive. Not good at all. Just trying to like throw power. My kicks were absolutely dog dookie. So putting being able to put everything together and have like all my coaches from black market BJJ and demolition, like, Hey, do this, do that. And make it all flow into one has helped out tremendously. Like the five year difference is night and day. Do you think you're more well-rounded now, or do you think you still have some more work to be done until you can say that your, your striking at least is good enough to get by with what you have on the ground? I still need to work on a lot of striking. I, I got to work on a lot of things. It's just a constant state of, you got to evolve or you just get left behind, you know? Yeah, definitely. So now in terms of your amateur MMA career, you've won four of your five fights via submission. Do you have a favorite fight or submission in your career? Well, actually, my, my last fight was a TKO. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was a TKO finish. But my favorite finish, it was probably when I got the Peruvian necktie in my first title fight down in Kentucky. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because Peruvian necktie in your fourth fight, it's an uncommon submission, I'd say, in MMA. And I'm still kind of new to this this space and this game, so I had to look it up to actually see what the submission looks like. Can you walk me through that finish that led you to winning your first amateur title, like you said? Yeah, so I was 
So we got down. I was in his guard. I'm like, okay, I got to escape this. So I postured up, threw a right hand, grabbed his wrist, stood up, threw another right hand. His head bounced off the canvas, and he went to go wrestle up on me. So I'm like, all right, boom, got a head and arm choke. My arm was, yeah, head and arm lock. And then I'm like, okay, what can I go from here? Breathe, calm down. Went to go set up a darts choke. He wasn't giving it to me. So I'm like, eh, he might not know what this is. And then scooped, grabbed his chin, baited him. So he grabbed my leg and just throw the other leg over. And he tapped within seconds of me applying the lock to him. Does something like that really show just how skilled you are on the ground, getting a Peruvian necktie in your amateur career? I Kind of, yeah. 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 It's just like, uh, like not, you don't see that often. So... <laughs> Definitely a level above the competition, especially when it comes to your ground game. You fought for Nightmare Promotions twice. Both of them were title fights. You're the lightweight and welterweight ECC champion. What does it mean to you to reach double champ status just two years into your fighting career? It's pretty cool, honestly. Like I was like, I was going to take the first welterweight fight back in November of that. Yeah, November, but... Something happened to him where he got hurt because I was a replacement. I was taking the fight on a four week notice because one of my teammates broke nose. And I'm walking in there like, da 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 da. Coach is like, what are you at? I'm like, 170, like 171 right now because I'm coming off of it. I was coming off of an injury. So I just had to get some weight down. He's like, cool. You want to fight in four weeks? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And then waited and like, oh, you're right back out. He got hurt. I'm like, damn it. All right, then. So he's like, he said he'll fight you in January, though. So we scheduled it, got ready for January. And then the second fight was the dude beat one of my teammates. And I'm like, cool. And they're like, hey, they want to. We both fought on the same card in January. And they're like, hey, you want to. He was a lightweight and you won the welterweight. So do you want to fight him as a lightweight? I'm like, yeah, I'll fight the dude who just won as a lightweight. He's 3-0 and right now. All TKO finishes in the second round. And then I ended up getting a TKO finish in the second round on him. So I was happy and ecstatic about that. Do you have extra motivation too, knowing that he had a win over a teammate? Yeah. Like, so a lot of, so two of my opponents I have fought have beaten my teammates before. So I'm like, well, got to go get that one back for the team. So you win your first ECC title via submission, your second one by knockout what was it like to pick up that knockout win? And it, I think that was the first in your MMA career, right? Yeah, so the TK, I'm sitting there. I was like, oh, I'm on the ground. I went for a, like a rear naked choke. Well, I had his back at first. Boom, he pushed my elbow. So I'm like, I'm losing it. I'm not going to burn my grips out. Went for an arm triangle. And he was, dude was strong. He was bucking, like I'm trying to get out, whatever. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to mount and just suffocating him. Postured up, started waylaying punches. It was 40 seconds from when I started punching to when they stopped it. Because the dude went to mount, dude turned to his side, threw four or five punches there. He went to, I had him on back mount, threw some more punches. I'm like, this is taking forever. He is not, all he is is moving. <laughs> and it was his hometown. Like, dude lived right down the street. So I'm like, I know I'm, I'm going to have to, like, finish this guy to, like, actually get, get the win. Because in Kentucky, they do five rounds at three minutes instead of Ohio does three threes. So I had to get, pre- I was prepared for going five, three, five minute, no, five, three minute rounds. Yeah. Yeah. The fight ended in the second round when you stopped yeah. him there with strikes. When you're fighting a guy and it's their hometown, does that add any pressures for you? Or are you more excited knowing that you can maybe pull off an upset on the hometown kid? 
it's always it's different like you're like oh well how quick am i gonna be able to get out this building before they start uh, attacking <laughs> me when i win so but no everyone was pretty calm and chill after the fight because everyone's like yeah and i I started getting on top and they're like oh shit and I'm like yeah everyone cheered but i'm just like i gotta get out of here quick yeah, and I think you'll encounter that same thing in your next fight, Zane Finley out of Mansfield. You'll have the chance to win your third amateur MMA title on November 11th for BCM Promotions. How excited are you to get back in the cage and compete for another MMA belt? I'm very excited, man. Like, I'm supposed to fight August 26th. I had a lot of backouts, and they Ohio. we had people who accepted it, but Ohio didn't make want to, like, their records weren't. The one dude didn't fight in like five years, and the other dude's record was like two and three who accepted it. And I'm just the coach, was like, hey, we're, it was Wednesday. He's like, you're not fighting. Like Wednesday before the fight, I'm like, you're not fighting. I'm like, damn. <laughs> All right. So I went there, cornered my buddy Aaron for his MMA debut, and then Hayden Jacoby, Jeremy Balboa. And then I had, I was cornering Dylan that day too. So I was like, lost my voice at the end of the night, couldn't talk around at all. And it was, it was rough. But I'm very excited to get back in the cage and fight again. It's it's been a minute. I want I want the little gloves. The sixty ounce boxing gloves were uh they were fun, but I want I like the little gloves. Yeah, the big gloves a little exhausting, hard to keep your hands up a little bit. A tad bit, but I'm like I don't like I'm just feel like I'm throwing pillows at a guy. I'm like <laughs> I kinda want that nice little and I wanna be able to take someone down at like I was like, man, if I feign a takedown, are they going to like point me for this real quick? If I just like feign a double leg and then throw a two in the kickboxing tournament? I'm like, they probably frowned upon that, so I won't. <laughs> Definitely, man. So I know this fight was announced just days ago, but do you know much about your opponent, Zane Finley? I think we got offered him around August 26, but I don't know what happened there. We accepted the fight, and then something on that other end didn't work out, so... I don't know about that, but I was studying, I was watching film on him for about three weeks beforehand, and then I was told that fight wasn't going to happen, because something happened over on the other promotion, that, the promotion's end. And then, uh, yeah, we've, I've been keeping an eye on him. I've, I've seen him come up. He's a really tough opponent. Not taking him lightly at all. Are you trying to go out there and show what you have developed in terms of your striking game lately, or are you just really hungry to be able to shoot for a takedown and get somebody down and show off what you can do on the ground? Honestly, I, I don't ever have like set game plans. I'm like, I like, all right, let's give me the feeling out process after the feeling out process. Go from there. Makes it's sense. never like, I'm going to stand there and we're going to trade punches until one of us drops. And I'm like, no, cause that's like a, I'm like, if I do that, I'm like way too, my coach is going to yell at me. He's like, quit it, stop, stop. And my, I give my coach a heart attack every fight. He's like, he's like, the kickbox tournament, he's like, it took me an hour for my heart to stop hurting. Like my chest was that bad. And that game plan has worked out for you so far with a 5-0 and record in MMA. Does that, when you don't have like a strict game plan like that heading into a fight, does it almost help you just relax and go in there and flow with everything that you have to offer to your opponent? Yeah, because people, I've tried doing game plans in jiu-jitsu tournaments, and that's what really made me go away from them. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go out there, wrestle a bit, and then take them down, work my hand fight, and then the dude pulls guard, and I'm like, what do I do? Because my game plan was to do this, to do this, to do this. So if I just go out there with a blank canvas and just do what I got to do, 
going to be like art kind of just flow with everything. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. So if you win that fight next month, November 11th, you will have three amateur titles, one kickboxing title. Do you have a place at the house for those belts along with the trophies and medals and everything that you've won in the BJJ tournaments? There will be a spot right now. There, My two belt, one sitting on a toaster oven right now. That's not even plugged in. It needs cleaned. And the two are sitting in a laundry basket, still trying to organize everything. Do you put much stock into those amateur titles? I've talked to fighters and they think of them as big milestones or they just don't really care about them. Where are you on that? It's just, it was cool. I did it, but yeah, like if I'm sitting there living in that moment, I'm not going to be ready for the next one. So they're like, I'm like, yeah, I got these. All right, cool. It's like a day or two. I'll show them off to like everyone. I, Cause I work at a, at a bar and everyone's like, Oh, let's swat. Let's see them. I bring them in, show everybody. Cause there's a lot of older, a lot of older guys there that like see me fight. Like, ah, makes me feel like when I was your age doing all this stupid stuff. And I'm like, yeah. But after that, I'm just like, they're just piece of leather and a metal, like metal. That's all they are. And then, so you set them off to the side, their accomplishments, cool milestones, but you got to be ready for the next one. Could this fight on November 11th be your last amateur fight before you turn pro in MMA? Possibly. We've been taught, uh, me and uh, the coach has been talking about it. So we'll see how it goes. And hopefully it will be maybe my last MMA, amateur MMA fight. So we'll see. Yeah. And even if it isn't, it sounds like you might have a hard time potentially finding a opponent down the line with what you've been able to do so far in the cage what you're great at sounds like you might have some issues with that yeah we've it, we've had a few issues because i'm like getting ready i've been cutting way i'm like yeah and then they're like oh yeah by the way he backed out i'm like cool i'm gonna go eat a pizza now <laughs> <laughs> like like we and they can't find anyone for you so the fight's off i'm like cool i'm gonna go eat a pizza but like It'd be like a week and a half and they couldn't find anyone else. I'm like, or like I said, it was Wednesday week of the fight. They couldn't find anybody. So last one for you, man. Are you surprised by just how far you've come in such a short amount of time? Or were you expecting this type of success just two years in to your fighting career? Honestly, I, the success I've had over the five years of jujitsu, like, cause I, I got my brown belt within five years little under five years and i'm like damn all right cool and then doing having two titles and mma being five and oh in mma in just two years is it's mind-blowing it's very mind-blowing and like when you sit back and realize you're like damn and it's still just and it's just the beginning that's all just the beginning there's a lot more to go just the beginning and i can't wait for the future to see you fight on november 11th and even past that and where you're going to take this MMA career before we wrap up anything you want to shout out plug here on the podcast, man, the, the floor is yours. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to my sponsors, uh, sons of the American Legion squadron 300 nails by Kenna fallen Oak tattoo studios and the Scott streets, gym, uh, black market, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and defiance, Ohio demolition fight team in Finley, Ohio. Uh, a few of my teammates, Aaron mock Rex Hoffel, Dylan Bucca, Mateo Garner, Todd Box, and Trey Cusack. Those guys help me out a lot. Just shout them out real quick. Absolutely. Thanks again, Quentin, for joining me on the show. I watched the small sample size of your fight footage that's out there, and I was very impressed, and I know your future is bright with what you bring to the cage. 
Before I let you go, I do ask that you finish the OHIO chant for me in what's a forged in Ohio tradition. So OHIO. Thanks, Quentin. Thanks again for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and some of your teammates on here. I can't wait to see you compete next. And let's connect again down the line. Oh, for sure, man. This was a lot of fun. That was Quentin, the guy Richards, the 5-0 amateur mixed martial artist. His grappling and wrestling are truly elite and fascinating to watch along with his BJJ skills. I think it's going to take him very, very far in MMA and he even showed that he can hang with people on the feet as well with that kickboxing tournament win, that side quest, if you will, that he went on. The day that he makes his return to the cage will be a good one for Ohio MMA, and I'm looking forward to when it happens. As always, I got to thank you if you made it this far. If you're listening to this episode, then I do ask that you download it as that helps my numbers. And if you're watching on the Forge in Ohio YouTube channel, then don't forget to subscribe to the channel and give this video a like. Also, if you like what you heard, definitely check out the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Forged in Ohio as well. Thanks again for watching or tuning in. I've been your host, Jake Murrin, and this was Forged in Ohio.